When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Western and Southern Financial Group. Put our financial strength behind you. Visit westernsouthern.com. All right, welcome into the Gym Day Podcast. Thanks for checking us out wherever you are. Thank you very, very much. We uh, offer you to rate and review this podcast, subscribe, spread the word. We're millions of downloads in. However, we want more people to listen. Because of guys like today, we're going to bring in a national voice here today. And I have admired this guy from afar and close up as a colleague he is Boog Shambi. You can hear him on ESPN, see him on ESPN, now working for Marquee Sports. We brought in one of the enemy. Yes. The Cubs That's guy right. is oh, here. How you doing, man? I'm great. It's good to be here. Always like coming here. Yeah. Well, we brought in the pipes, too, because you have some of the best pipes in the biz, my friend. You are blessed. <laughs> You know, what's funny is I feel like there's always somebody that's got a better voice, right? There's always you, always you always run into somebody that, know, the man. next the next person that's got <laughs> that's got the the voice. So um I, I I I'm grateful for it for sure. It's uh I, I would say both sides of the family there there are males that have good voices, so I was lucky. How has your stay at Marquee been so far? It's been cool. You know, last year was still abnormal in terms of not being able to get into the clubhouse. That's a big thing for oh, me. I like it, being able to travel for, with the guys. I can't do my job right. without it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, be a so, sideline guy. We want human interest stories. But you yeah. can't be around those humans. Yeah. You can't do Jim Day with Joey Votto, right? <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. No, so I last year it was so new, and we didn't travel – when we traveled, we didn't travel with the team. We didn't travel for the first part of the year with the exception of a couple of spots. And then, you know, just the limited capacity, et cetera. Yeah. This year, it's been a little more normal, and that has been fun. And it's it's been great. You know, the Cubs are a storied franchise. And even though uh, they're not very good this year, um, you know, I think that there's still exciting stuff to come. Yeah, and Wrigley's always packed, and no it's doubt. just an experience. Once you get there, it's yes. just uh, one of the great experiences in baseball. And uh, put it on your list if you haven't been there. If you're a baseball fan, it's a must-stop. So, no question. Uh, it's, it's always exciting, no, no matter how the team is doing. It's always a great atmosphere. Now, listen, I want to applaud you because what you're exactly what you're talking about. When we were in the pandemic – and most people weren't traveling. In fact, at one point, no, I don't think anyone was traveling. We were doing games remotely. And everyone was kind of walking on eggshells. It was horrible. It was terrible. To, you know, we couldn't do our job. But not many people wanted to speak up about it. But you, my friend, put your <laughs> name to it. Yeah, I did. 
And uh, I want to applaud you, man, because that goes a long way. You you spoke up about how important it is for the, the announcers to be at the stadium with the team because we're an arm to the fans. No question. To the fans. And you're you're cutting off half of that arm. Yes. I don't know even that fans care or realize, and it doesn't much matter, but the reality is the way the fans – in part, get connected to the players and the teams is through the job that we get a chance to do. Yeah. Look, I spoke up. Uh, this first place you start is selfishly the way I go about doing my job and want to do my job. It was way harder that way. So that was one of the things. I also think you have a lot of people that were making decisions that don't understand exactly the boots on the ground aspect of what yeah. you and I both do. Mm -hmm. I look, it's you know, it's not rocket science by any stretch, but it's just way harder and I just think it's important um to have that access whether it's from a play-by-play -play standpoint, I found it very challenging doing games off of a monitor, but the lack of access it it started the very first game, and this is going to seem silly, right? But I still can remember the first game back during COVID, I did it on ESPN Radio, and I did it from Bristol. And it was the Yankees and the Nationals, and it was Cole against Scherzer. Oh. And the Nationals had won the World Series in 2019. Right. And in Game 7 of the World Series, remember Scherzer had to back up because right. he had the neck thing. They're on the road. They're playing the Astros. Scherzer took BP. They're in a DH park. And he talked about it in spring training before COVID hit, how he still likes to hit. And they asked him, well, there's going to be the DH this year. Do you think you're still going to take batting practice on the days you're going to start? And he said, you know, I've been thinking about it, and I think I might. So, look, I, this I know it's not a big deal. But all I wanted to know sitting there in Bristol was, did Scherzer take BP tonight? Just be an interesting note. It literally would play itself out this way. Here's Scherzer, kicks and deals in the 1-1, outside and it's 2-1. You know, here's an interesting thing. We're playing this year with the DH, but Max Scherzer, because he likes what it does to get his body loose, he takes batting practice. Next pitch fouled back, 2-2. Two and two. So Max Scherzer, even though he's not going to hit, is still hitting, and it's just a part of his routine. He's decided, even with the DH, look, I'm not saying it's the greatest note on the planet, but just take that and multiply it by a 1,000 of those little – and I couldn't get anybody to tell me whether he had hit. Oh, yeah. But well, if I was yeah. there, you'd walk right up to him and you'd say, hey, man, well, actually, I wouldn't do it on the day of the game, but I would go – you'd wander around and see – but it was it's just little stupid stuff like that where you're just trying to find things out. You're trying to connect with guys. You're trying to share interesting little things. And you multiply it by a bunch, and it's how you get connected. Well, you're preaching to the choir here because yeah. it, well, for what I do, if I was covering that team – I would have, we would have shot Max Scherzer right. taking BP. There right. probably would have been a humorous moment during it. There would have been an interaction with another player. Yes. I would have talked to that player. That player would have said, we had a bet on this. And if yes. he hits one out, blah, blah, blah. And suddenly it's a, it's really nice. And then he's not even hitting in the game. <laughs> right. Right. That's suddenly the point. it's a human interest yes. story. And the, the, you know, you want to humanize these players. That's right. And that the only way to do that is to be around them. No so question. it's not it sounds selfish that we're saying, oh, we got to be there, of course. But you're cheating the fans. It's all about we are the conduit yes. to the fans. I also so. think this. 
we're delivering the product of baseball in the long term yeah. to try and do it in a way where you don't have access to the players isn't in the best interest of the game, the growth of the game, interest in the game. Yeah, I mean, we Wade Miley throws a no-hitter, and I'm talking to him from a studio in Cincinnati while he's in Cleveland right? in the post-game interview. And it's just you don't get that same interaction. Like you brought up, you know, Votto, Jim Day with Jim yeah. Day. That doesn't happen right. remotely with a headset on. Yes. That stuff just doesn't happen as well. As yeah. There. Well, look, I mean, the, you know, even I remember that interview because, you know, even something along those lines, I was amazed. But like Jeb had him put the Incredible Hulk tattoo on. Exactly. And th- those nuggets aren't so easy to get if you're yeah. not around. He all the brought time. that up right. by himself. Okay. And yeah. I had no idea right. because so I wasn't there. I yeah. completely walked into that. Yeah. And that became a major thing. Heck, yeah. they had a day here with the Hawk came. I mean, it turned into right. something really big. Now, luckily, Wade Miley brought that up, and I followed up on yes. the question. Like, hey, wait, hold on. What did you just say about yep. the Hawk? Yep. But I would have known that. Yeah. So, anyways, wow, we got off on a real tangent there. But that was good. But, okay. I, again, back to my original point, I applaud you for putting your name to it. And now we're traveling, and it's just a total difference maker. So as we sit here in Cincinnati, I'm so yeah, glad that we were face-to-face, face, man. Because I, I had to do this podcast for a few years over the phone, over Zoom, and it just stunk. So, yeah. all right, uh, you've been asked this, I'm sure, a thousand times. But the name, yeah. Boog, John is the the official first name, correct? Or Jonathan, yeah. Jonathan, there yeah. we go. J-O-N-A-T-H-A. Where'd you get I know I know the answer to this, but for those listening, how, how'd you become Boog? I was in Miami, and I was right at the beginning of my career in 1992 or three, and I was working at the all-sports radio station, WQAM, and I my first day there, I was training on the board in the morning for the morning show. My mailbox said John Shambi and the two guys on the show, Joe Rose, former NFL tight end, and the other guy's Dave Lamont, who's a play-by-play guy yeah. as well, and Dave from the D.C. area, and he looked at me as a big guy, red hair, and he said, you kind of look like Boog Powell. And then the rest of the show, they were referring to me as Boog, and the next day when I walked in over my name on the mailbox and uh, over John Chambi, it said Boog Powell, and that was it. <laughs> it that was it. It stuck. It stuck. So you know anyone that calls you Boog is post that era. Yeah, right? and, and, and I never introduced myself that way because I don't feel like explaining it. <laughs> Like, and yet everybody you, figures it out. You probably, well, I, yeah, I knew that that's where you're going. Yeah, go. everybody figures it out. So it's, it, I will say this. I, before I worked in baseball, I would go to baseball games. You know, I would sit and do games into a tape recorder. That was how I got my first tape. But in talking to baseball scouts, it allowed them, they remembered me because my name was Boog. Hey, it stands out, man. Right. Uh, they, you got to have a name that stands out. If you're John Smith, it's tough. Yeah, so I mean, it helped me out. It definitely <laughs> helped me out. But in Reds country, by the way, uh, Boog Powell, when I was a kid, I grew up a Reds fan, yep. if you didn't know. Uh, man, I didn't like Boog Powell. Right. He was really good. Really good. But in 1970, the Orioles beat the Reds. Yep. One of my first memories in life. He was the MVP. He was the MVP, and he called – the Reds, the big dead machine. And as a kid, I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> How <cruel>. dare you? <laughs> yes. yeah. I've met him a bunch. He could not have been met him when he, nicer. He, what, he's got his barbecue place. In, in right field. Bar- yeah. And a couple of times on ESPN, they he did it to nice me. He was a nice man. Nice guy. 
a couple of times on ESPN, we'd be there doing games and they'd give me the wrong count in my headset. And then all of a sudden we'd be back and it would, they would have given him an ESPN mic out in right field. And he'd say, welcome back on ESPN. I'm the real Boog. And it was great. Yeah, and I had no idea it was coming. And it was fantastic. I love that story. And like I said, I met him a bunch of times. He could not have been kinder. Wow. Well, I'm sure you've gotten this question a lot. And it's a typical question. Typical podcast question. Let's go. But uh, you mentioned that you started doing games into a tape recorder. Who were your guys growing up? Who were your? Harry Callis was my guy. I, I was born in Philadelphia. Out of here. Out of here. Yeah. I I he was my guy. And I moved to New York when I was seven and I so then basically grew up in New York City. But my parents my dad's side was all from Philadelphia. My parents met at Drexel and they got their hooks in me early. And even though I moved to New York at seven, I was a Phillies fan. So Mike yeah. Schmidt was my guy, Harry Callis. So you know, my first time meeting Harry, I was in line at the uh, in the food room at old pro player Dolphin Stadium, and Harry was ahead of me, but I didn't know. I just heard him. I just heard, I'll have some lasagna, some green beans, and I was like, oh, my God. So I introduced that's myself great. to him. That's, and it's funny, you're sitting there good. talking to him, yeah. and you feel, no matter who you are, talking to Harry Carrot. Harry Callis, you feel like you're this way. So, Harry, I was just wondering. Because his voice is just bam. He's one yeah. of those guys that you don't have to see him. You hear him. And That's you right. exactly know. Yeah. I mean, I would know your voice if I if I had my eyes closed and you were in line somewhere. I, w- I could pick probably pick that out. Maybe. I don't, it, uh, Harry, Harry's in a, in a special world, though. Yeah, so, but Harry and... And I would say Vin a little bit, Vin Scully, yeah. just from listening to him nationally, listening to him doing radio. I remember having a moment. I was listening to the 1991 World Series, and it was the Twins and the Braves, and Rafael Belliard had gotten on first base, and he was standing next to Kent Herbeck. And for those of you that don't remember, the size disparity between the two guys is <laughs> Kent, pretty. Kent was is yeah, a big dude. Kent was a big, beefy guy, and yeah. and and Belliard was tiny. Yeah. And I remember listening to the game, and I just remember, I was working as a security guard in college, and I remember Vin describing it as, so here's Belliard looking like something that fell out of Herbie's pocket, which is like. I mean, if you gave me yeah. a thousand chances, I right. wouldn't come up with something that good oh, on the yeah. fly. So, you know, and then you get into it and you start to hear everybody. I mean, I'll be honest. I think that one of the great thrills for me, you know, coming to places like this is Marty from day one was awesome to me. Yeah. Was, yeah. you know, was son, what do you need? You know, can I help you? That's exactly what he says too, son. Yeah. He call it, yeah but he was son. he was amazing to me. And then you get a chance, you know, I, I got to listen to him and Joe. Yeah. And that was just unique and cool and yeah. and get to know them. That was that was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was the same way. I grew up with Marty and Joe and then the first time in the booth with them, I, I just couldn't I'm like pinching myself. Sure. And then I'm, you know, colleagues with them and then all of a sudden I'm, you know, 
still to this day, very good friends with Marty. I yeah. mean, we text and call all the time. In fact, I talked to him this morning. Um, so that it's it's surreal. It's like, yeah. I mean, as as a kid, I wanted to be Marty. I spent, I logged so many hours listening to games. Games weren't on TV back then. I mean, I listened religiously every night. The Reds were in the National League West, so it was right. late, wet, a lot of West Coast games. Yeah. And parents trying to get me to go to sleep. I can't go to sleep yet. Yep. Uh, it's two to one. The Reds are trying. They've got two on in the ninth. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, no, I know I get it. Um, Marty will get a kick out of that, by the way. Oh, um, yeah. No, last time when we were here last year, we got a chance to go to go to lunch. I just I really uh, I really love the guy. I think uh, I mean, an amazing career. And just as a person, I always just enjoyed my interactions with him. He's just someone um, from a, an early standpoint, helped me acclimate to this gig so yeah no he's done that for a lot of people he's he's very giving in that regard and still giving yeah even though he's got a little edge to him he'll get on you a little Marty, bit what <laughs> he got a little edge he's got uh, <laughs> a little fire in there and uh i mean you should see the text i get during the oh game. i trust me I, I got an idea text I get <laughs> during the game if i could you know one day folks maybe we'll yes. share those but uh, for now, they'll just uh, have to... That'll be the HBO podcast. <laughs> exactly. Right. I'd love to do a broadcast with him on HBO. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yes. We thought about doing... Sign a, me up. Yeah, we thought about doing a podcast together, but I'm like, I'll lose my gig. Right. That The one I have sure. now. Yes. I'd have to give that up. So I'd have to sign a lucrative deal to do that. And I'm sure that's probably not out there at the moment. But uh, I want to go back to Harry Callis. How about the uh, the video they play... After wins. High hopes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's great. With him singing. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. It really is. Yeah. No, it's one, but it's, and it's also one of the things that I think baseball does a great job of underlining just the local markets. Yeah. There's, you know, whether it's, you know, as a, as a kid from New York that didn't grow up or that grew up a Phillies fan, look, whatever you want to say. The Yankees playing New York, New York, but the Mets playing New York State of Mind by Billy Joel, yeah. or the Phillies playing High Hopes, or the Cubs playing Go Cubs Go. It's unique, man. It's yeah. just, it's all, all these I play- love LA. Right? That's right. Yeah. So it's, yeah, the sport's really special. Yeah, I think there's, there's no question about that. I love the... I just love the interactions. There's, there's so much time baseball is, is almost, you know poetry yeah. and times and art and there's so much time between pitches and the in the game just the flow of the game now i i watched a, something the other day that involved you and oh. i've watched it several times oh no because it's i mean it, it's one of my favorite clips you and chipper jones yeah chipper jones is in the booth <laughs> now it, i don't know if you can do this just justice without seeing the video and yeah. seeing yeah but could, you right. know what I'm talking yeah, about. I do. Try, try to try to give it justice. So <laughs> this is beautiful. <laughs> so I did the Braves in 2007, 2008, yeah. 2009, and we had Chipper in the booth with current Cubs manager David, David Ross, Ross was yeah. the third guy, and this was uh, a few years ago. And I told my producer, "Hey, you need to go find a clip from a game in San Diego." In August-ish, Tim Stauffer's on the mound. Had to be hard to find. This is an obscure one. Very obscure. <laughs> yeah. But I I had told the story enough. And so 
Chipper ends up bringing it up on the air, but the story goes this, and we rolled the video in to support it. And he had no so like Jim. Here's the one part about it that you should. It's if you Google Chipper and Boog on Twitter, yeah, it'll come up. Google it on Twitter. If you put it into Twitter or Google it, God, technical moron I am. Anyway, uh, (laughs) it'll it's it'll pop right up. But it's a story where. It was back in 08, I think, and he wasn't he wasn't hitting real well. Yeah. And he was swinging at the first pitch a lot. And he was rolling over to second a lot. And this was back still in the early days of Fangraphs. Right. So Fangraphs, I went and found that Chipper Jones saw the second fewest first pitch strikes in the majors. He's up there hacking. And he's up there hacking at the So yeah. I asked him why. I was not advising him. A lot of times it gets framed as yeah. I was giving him advice. Yeah. I was not giving him advice. Yeah. I just And he said, well, it's probably the only time in the at-bat that I'm going to get a fastball. He said, I'm hunting the heater, and that's why I swing at the first pitch so much. And I said, yeah, but you're not getting a ton of first pitch strikes statistically. So the conversation has to stop because he has to go out and hit. And then eventually the game starts. Chipper comes up that night, two outs. Nobody on and digs in. And Tim Stoffer's on the mound. Former first round pick. Didn't have great stuff. He was just he was he was yeah. decent. And Tim Stoffer delivers the first pitch of the at bat, and Chipper takes it. Right down the middle. And it's a fastball right down the middle. And Chipper steps out of the box and looks up at me in the booth. Like you bleepity bleep. And then digs back in, and he's shaking his head. And then when – so we show the video, and we're howling laughing. And then Chipper says, if you only knew, you were totally in my head. You dictated that at bat. And I remember still, I said, you know, by the way, Chipper, we came back and walked in that at bat. You ended up walking. So I love, it that, you, I love that you said we. we that's right. We walked in that at bat. But it was, I mean, he stepped out and stared at me, and the, it was the most incredible thing. The video, folks, again, just yeah, put it into a Google search. It will come up. Yeah. Uh, the, the reaction that he looks around, <laughs> I, I can't give it yeah, justice of the look he has on his face and shaking his head. Yeah. It is great. It yeah. is gold. It's really, it was, yeah, it, it was, uh, I mean, I actually, I, I was living in New York City at the time. Like the next day I had, a, it was an ESPN game and I had some people stop me on the street like that was really funny. And I, that's when I knew that it was a story that had, you know, that resonated yeah. a bit. So my goodness, how good is Boog Shambi? I love this guy. And we'll get back to the conversation after this. Chris Collinsworth here. My friends at Western and Southern are committed to making Cincinnati the best place to live, work, and celebrate life. That's why we proudly sponsor Ride Cincinnati, the region's premier cycling event dedicated to defeating cancer. Every rider raised dollar goes directly to cancer research and care right here in our community. Join the ride. Change the story. To register, visit RideCincinnati.org. Jim Day here. Nothing goes better with Reds baseball than Swift Meats. Steak! Tenderloin! Back ribs! Sounds like you agree. 
So let's gather around the grill this season to talk a little baseball and a lot of everything else. Ask for Swift Meats at your local grocer. Good food, good moments. One great meal. Come together with Swift. Well, those interactions with the players are the best. No question. I mean, that's the, the best. Absolutely. Those are the things that help make the broadcast. You know, you you guys have one of the all-timers in that regard in your first baseman. I, Votto, yeah. We had a game, I'm not sure what year it was, but it was the 4th of July game. It was the White Sox and the Reds, and neither team was particularly good. So with ESPN, we I, we interviewed him for 10 minutes and rolled it in in three-minute pieces and just talked about a bunch of different things, and he couldn't – he was just so articulate about yeah. hitting and about the things he thinks about during the game and, you know, how he learned about the value of on-base percentage and yeah. on and on. So – and he's he's just thoughtful as all get out. He's very thoughtful in his answers. Yes. I mean, I've had – I've done interviews with him, and he'll call me later like, hey, that one part, did I make sense? And can I hear that back? Because I want to make – he wow. wants to make yeah, sure yeah. that he articulated it properly, at least properly for him. Well, what – you know, again, and I wish I could show you the video, but the one thing that I did ask him during the interview that I loved – there was a bunch of great stuff, but one was, what does the strike zone look like? in Joey Votto's mind. I said, is it like a beautiful mind? Are there equations floating around it and that type yeah. of thing? And he said, it's nothing that dramatic, but, and then he closed his eyes and said, when it's a ball, it just feels really far away. <laughs> and it was for TV. That's awesome. With his eyes closed. Like yes. It was like he was meditating. Yeah. And it was, it was like he was putting himself there. Yeah. When it's a ball, it just feels really far away. And it was just a great answer. You know, yeah. it's that type of stuff, you know, times 100. Yeah. I have a question for you. Am I allowed to do this? Just hijack this? Why is his walk-up song do Jolene? You know what? He, I asked him, he said, people think it's because my name's Joe, and Joe leaned in, and it's a Joe. He's like, no, I just like the song. It was not until That's it. it? He just likes the song. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go down and bother him about that. I gotta, I'm going to push now, on Now, he may more. give you a different answer yeah, right. because sometimes he'll jack you around, yes. and that was the answer he gave me that day. Right. No, like he did – I mean, he was pretty great with the, the Seinfeld uh, – Oh, yeah. The Seinfeld and uh, David Letterman. Yeah, how about that? Oh, my how about gosh. Seinfeld and David Letterman just bre- – uh, one of my favorite interviews, by the way, Len Letterman was here. I did him in the stands, and he was great. Oh, my I gosh. Mean, yeah, it was uh, – it was one of those fearful things because Dave doesn't do very many interviews. Yes. So he was there and it took me like seven innings to work up the courage because everyone knew that he was sitting, he was sitting right behind home plate. So everyone knew. So I'm like, this is going to be a very public. No, I feel the same way by the way. And he's a guy for me. I love him. He's the best. best. I mean, watched him every night. I also will say that in, in that, uh, my next guest is episode with Letterman and Seinfeld. Yeah. I loved – I mean, go back to that. I loved how excited David Letterman and Jerry Seinfeld were that Joey Votto knew who they isn't, were. Isn't that the best? They were both excited. Yes, isn't that the best? That Joey Votto was paying attention to them. I, I, the whole thing was just gold. It was amazing. Yeah, and that's what uh, 
sports can do. That's right. Because, you know, actors want to be athletes, yes, athletes want to be right. actors or artists or, or musicians, whatever. That kind of works yes. hand in hand. But uh, there, there's a similar thing. In fact, um, Hunter Green, who you're going to see here, um, his dad is the private investigator to the stars. I don't know if you know that or not. Um, but so he was around the Kardashians and Justin Bieber and all these famous people, but he was, and he's like, ah, no big deal. Starstruck by Joey Votto when he met him, like That's completely awesome. intimidated, yeah. like didn't know what to do. Should I talk to him? Whatever. Yeah. Completely starstruck by Votto. And then they end up having a locker right next to each other in spring training. Oh, so wow. he, and then he picked his brain the entire, imagine picking Joey Votto's brain as a 22 yeah. year old kid. So, uh. Yeah, it's, that's great. It's the way uh, stuff works out sometimes. Yeah, that and that's and it's the thing that engages you. And I think, I mean, I think the part that's interesting is if you could see both of us, how excited we both get with stuff like that. Yeah, when you get interesting stories oh, yeah. that way. Yeah. That's what energizes you. Yeah. Do you have uh, favorite calls that you've made? Um, you've made so many. I mean, well, it, I, I think the one that the the one that I think about that's that probably jumps out at me was I was with the Marlins in 2003 and they were down two one in the world series. The game went to extra innings and Alex Gonzalez hit a walk off Homer in the 12th off Jeff Weaver to tie the series at two games apiece. So, I mean, a walk off Homer, of the world series oh. was, you know, and they, uh, and the, you know, like that was an early part of my career. That's, you know, 20 years ago, just about. And it was, uh, and they put it on a bottle opener and sold it at Bed Bath and Beyond, and I think I bought all of them and then just and gave them away to people for <laughs> like Christmas gifts for a while. How dork, that's, fantastic. that's so dorky! No, that's great. Bo bottle openers, you know, <laughs> at Bed Bath and Beyond, go get them. I, you know, I got to call Roy Halladay's no hitter in the postseason against the Reds. I was going to say, boy, we're bringing up source subjects I'm sorry. here. Boom, yeah. pal. Yeah. Halliday. The only guy I, I still I mean I remember that, that was game. An amazing just, night. I think he had Votto O two and he walked him. Yeah. And then and that was the only guy that got on. Right. And then the only ball that was hard hit was Travis Wood. Travis yeah. Wood hit a ball to right field. Yeah. That Worth made a sliding catch. That was about it. So wow. that I would say that I mean calling yeah. a no hitter in the sorry, Reds fans, but calling a no hitter in the oh. you know is pretty, what it is, man. Pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, how about the uh, biggest screw-ups? You got any that? <laughs> Probably don't. You're pretty solid. No, 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 no. There, I think that there's – I'm trying to think if there's anything. Because we all just – yeah, you say things that you're like – I feel well, like I, there's I, I just, just – said that. There's just – there's so – well, I okay, so here's one. This is, this is, a, this is a, a great one. Um I was doing the Angels and the Dodgers for ESPN Radio, and I can't remember whether it was a Saturday or a Sunday, but Mike Ferrin texted me that Jeff Mathis was pitching in the Diamondbacks game. Now, I'm doing Angels and Dodgers, but I, I glance to check at what the score is, and I get confused because... It's a position player pitching, but the game's two-two. So I was, so I got distracted. I was, I'm doing our game, and I'm like, what's going on over here? Yeah. 
And then at a certain point, I had the game up on my phone. I have Diamondbacks. I don't even remember who they were playing. And I called a pitch off of that game. And so all of a sudden, and like, and I caught myself too. So it completely didn't match up with what was happening on the field. And I'm looking at my phone and I just drop a, here's the pitch. And my partner looks at me and the producer looks at me and I go, did I just call a pitch from a game that I'm not doing? I did, didn't I? And then I had to explain the whole thing. So that, that, that's a pretty good one. That's human though. I think people appreciate that. Yes. I mean. You brought up Marty and Joe. Joe Nuxall would have screw-ups all the time. Oh, but that was part of the that's part of love the, the of thing. Joe. You know, and there's you a fly ball to left, them. center, right, right. Center, whatever. The names were I'll do up. that every, every – I mean, like, over the course of a year, will every once in a while will I say, you know, there's a fly ball in the air to left, and I'll say fly ball in the air to right. I mean left. You know, sure, I probably will. We'll mix it in. I love it. Hey, Not that bright. All about being human, man. And yeah, that's right. Self-deprecation doesn't hurt. Either, just, so. just own it. You know. Yeah. I think the, the other thing is well that that I, I would just to explain to people is the idea of misspeaking. When you speak for a living, sometimes you're going to misspeak, and it doesn't mean you don't know the information. So person X listening to this podcast, if I followed you around for three hours and recorded every single thing that you said, there's a chance you're going to say something dumb. Yeah. Or think of it like this. If you type at your work, workplace. Yes. And you don't have the backspace button or delete. Yes. It's card laid, card played. It's live. Yes. You make typos yes. along the way. No doubt. They happen. We're no human, doubt. So. There's going to be a lot of typos tonight. Yeah. Hey, you got a really big honor in that. Video games are so big now, and I love the. I mean, Vic's folks, yeah, cool. large smile on his face. You are now the voice of MLB the show, right? Yeah, I mean that. that really cool. That's a huge smile. Yeah, I grew up playing playing video games, Likewise, and then yeah. just beyond it, I think the part that I like is being able to connect with younger fans. I know older fans play it as well, but being able to connect with younger fans yeah. and maybe having. You know, with Chris Singleton, I do the the video game and maybe getting a chance to make it fun and entertaining going forward. So it was it was really. I mean, sure, there are some tedious things to, you know, that are parts of it. But what's the process? Is it the? I mean, the process is let's do routine fly balls to left. Let's do a routine fly ball to left in a high leverage spot. Let's do a deep drive to left center. Wow. Let's do a deep drive to left center. And then doing the names you're doing you for every single guy you're doing Joey Votto, Votto, Votto. So you have to do, because you need a, you need a conversation. It needs yeah. to be able to stitch together. Right. So it needs to be, Votto swings and rips one, and it also needs to be Votto, who hails from Canada, so the intonation's different, right. so they could stitch it together. You had to do that for every player? I mean, pretty much. Pretty much I mean, every I did player? Over 3,000 players. It was, yeah, it was a lot. Days? And we'll keep doing it. Yeah. We, like, I, I was just, the Braves were uh, in San Diego for a Sunday night game, and I did a little bit of recording out there, and then the Cubs were in San Diego for three days, and we had an off day between San Diego and Arizona, and I stayed and recorded 
That is, wow. Yeah, so it took cool. days, weeks? 200 hours over the course of about wow. two and a half years. Yeah, because so. I've always wondered about, I knew a little bit of the process, read a little bit about it, but I had to take a yeah, tremendous it's a lot. amount of it's time. It's a lot. But you're street, street cred with the young crowd. <laughs> That's me. I mean, That's come me. on. Street cred. Come on, man. Believe it. <laughs> the kids, they love me. <laughs> They're going to love you because it's a great game. It's fun. It's a really I great had a, game. We had one. There's an unlockable where, because uh, since we're the same age, like that you'll get, but like, and they kept it where, so you hit a home run in Arizona and you hit it into the hot tub. And I did the full call and then I added, you remember Eddie Murphy, James Brown, Celebrity Hot Tub? Yeah. So it was oh, just yeah. like, you know, swing in a deep drive right field into the hot tub. And then all of a sudden, it just, should I get in the hot tub? Will it make me wet? Should I get in the hot tub? Will it make me sweat? Well, well, well. And <laughs> that's good, man. Right. I just saw that skit the other day. Yeah. That, is, uh, that is wild. I'll look back on, on skits. And, and, I mean, Eddie Murphy's one of my favorites. So. Yeah, no, and that's a great, yeah, yeah, great yeah. skit. So, so you're, you're allowed to put stuff like well, that? Well, I mean, it's just like a, I think that a piece of it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. you can't, if it's that identifiable and something. Yeah. So I think you get a little, a little bit here and there. So, yeah. <laughs> I love that so much. Try and have fun with it. Yeah. Um, how's uh, Sunday night baseball? It's cool. Yeah. This year I'm working with Doug Glanville. Yeah. I still like getting a chance to do the radio. You know, I do the TV for the Cubs, but I like the mechanics of doing the radio and I love the chance to call the all-star game every year. I've done it every year since 2010. Um, so I get to do the national call of that. And then I do, you know, up through the LCS and then Dan Schulman does the world series. I'm hoping at some point I'll get a chance to do the world series nationally. Yeah. Um, but it's fun. Doug's great, smart. And I also work with Doug. He is very smart. Yeah. And I get to work with Doug on marquee as well. Yeah. He does probably 30 games, something like that. So I still love, you know, radio. There is a control aspect, right? Where for the most part, you turn the microphone on and if I'm good, it's good. Yeah. Well, there's you know no I mean? better sport for radio. Yeah, than, for sure. Than baseball. Yeah. There's it's great. No better so, sport for it. I still, yeah, it's still, uh, you know, I was just this past weekend, I was in New York and I did the White Sox Yankees in a night game and Kopech was perfect for right. five and a third. And I also like that I get a chance to get out and see other teams. And it just helps me for perspective on what's happening around the league. All right, hold that thought. We'll be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The game. I want to get your thoughts. I know you have some thoughts on how to maybe improve the game and right. everyone has thoughts sure. on this and and i don't think you know baseball is a great sport i love baseball um but you know things evolve things yes need change. to change yes. uh, society change uh, certainly our attention span changes 
Um, what are your thoughts? What are some thoughts that you have that if they put you in charge or at least you had some influence, what would be some of the major ones? Well, I think there are a couple of things. One is what are the aspects that need to change in terms of result? And then the other component is how do we affect change to make that happen? So for me, the problem the last that we've been trending towards is it's not so much that the games take too long. It's that the games are getting longer and longer. The amount of time between pitches is getting longer That's and the longer. Biggest one for me. So to me, though, it's this: it's that the games are getting longer. The time between pitches is getting longer. The time between the ball being in play is getting longer. If you take those three things together and you put them in one sentence, do you know how you say that? This is how you say that. It's taking too long for nothing to happen. That's the problem. Yeah. So it needs to go faster. Yes. The ball has got to be in play more. I think I will tell you this. How do you do do that, though? Well, I think that if you make – I think the pitch clock is going to accomplish it in part. Um, I agree. I think there's got to be other rules changed. I personally don't love the idea of banning the shift. I think the fans will like it. That's fine. But I struggle with penalizing people for being smart. I don't understand the distinction between you're not allowed to throw this player a slider who can't hit sliders, and we're going to position our defenders where this guy hits the ball. Right. What's the difference? Yeah. So that bothers me, but if people want it, fine. I don't think it's it's going to be that big a deal. But I just – the other thing I will say is this. The problem is – and I think this year it's been problematic with the ball and the humidors, at least thus far. I don't think anybody ever leaves the ballpark ever saying, you know, the only thing I didn't like about tonight is the ball went over the fence too much. No matter what anybody who works in the game says, people like homers. But with homers comes walks and strikeouts. Yep. And then when you have a three true outcome rate of, you know, 35%, it's a problem. And you just, you know, we had a game earlier this year where we went 19 minutes without the ball being in play. That's no good, man. No. There's been studies of the exact amount of time that there's action on the field, which includes balls in play. Yes. And the number is shockingly low. Yeah, but I think the thing that's interesting is that there's a perception factor as well. Because there's not a ton of difference between how much actual action there is in an NFL game and how much actual action there is in a baseball game. There's not. Right. In terms of – but, you know, the perception is baseball is slower. I think – I don't understand why – when I first started, some guys worked like Wade Miley and some guys worked like Josh Beckett. Now everybody works like Josh Beckett, except Wade Miley. It's just weird. It's it. So I think that part of it is analytics. There's no question is that it's this. It's that, like, I don't think guys should be allowed to have cards on the field. I think do your homework before class. It's, it's over. Once you get on the field, I want the players to decide it. So I don't want any of that stuff on the field. I think that's a, that's a tiny one, but I don't want pitchers looking at it. I don't want hitters looking at it. Players decide and then move it along, move it along, and I want the ball in play more because I want to see the athleticism, et cetera. But I'll also tell you this. It's a challenge because it is harder to hit right now than it's ever been. Ever been. I try it's to explain that to people. 
that the it's not even close. Not not close. Not close. Not. It's especially throw, these relievers coming out of the bullpen. Well, the w- relievers are weaponized again. Yeah. Twenty years ago, the guys that were coming in out of the bullpen were failed starters. Now you are taking guys at the minor league level exactly. and saying, "Ooh, this guy throws ninety seven, and he's got a really good second pitch. And Let's just put him in the bullpen. He's max effort, yes, so he that, can come in guns blazing. And also. That's the way the starters pitch now. Max effort. There is yeah. no, you know, four act plays. It's two times through the order. I'm throwing as hard as I possibly yep. can. And so now you get few why do why do batters get here? They get here because they can hit the fastball. Well, yeah. you get fewer fastballs than ever. When you do get a fastball, it is harder than it has ever been. It's just it's it's super challenging. And the idea of beating the shift. Okay, so it's harder to make contact now than ever. And you'd like them to aim where they're hitting it? Right. Come on. Yeah. So I, it's Ball's just... Ball's 97, yeah. 97 miles per hour and it's moving. And he's no dotting the corners. So, again, I, I think it has to have some urgency to it. Um, you know, I, I'm fine with the runner at second base. I will tell you this. Like, I've changed on certain things. Think of it in this regard, everybody that's listening. If we were starting this sport tomorrow, if we started it tomorrow, and let's it's just me and you, how many games are we playing? We're, we're not, not playing, playing 162. 162. No, we're not. We might even start in May. Yeah. Or if or end middle of May. Or if you want to back it up, just try to have the World Series maybe in September. Yeah. Or, yeah. So there's that. Yeah. And then the other thing is the the further we get away from it, the idea that you'd play 162 games and the game is decided when it's this, like it goes on in perpetuity. Yeah. Like game 98 can be played six hours and 20 innings. That's dumb. Yeah. So, however, you want to fix it. I, but like, if you don't like the guy at second, then do like ties after eleven or something like. I know it's America, I get it. Listen, but, I brought up ties, and I thought my Twitter feed was gonna. <laughs> I been I did it six years ago, and people lost their mind. But because it, it, everybody extra will be fine. Innings messes up everything, everything, particularly when you're on the road. It messes up your rotation. It messes up players. Players get called down. They lose their jobs. They have to get That's another right. pitcher in. You're getting in at four or five in the morning, and now the rest of the road There's trip no is question. messed up. Look at the stands. There's no one left in the stands. It's and such that, a funny thing. And then it, you get people to say to you, yeah, but those are the games that are most memorable. Well, look at the ratings and look who's in this. The like, ratings go down, and yes. there's no one left in the stands. Well, here's my thing. This is the thing that I said is that for – Extra inning games, if, if everybody, the, the segment of the population really likes extra inning games, after the eighth, we're locking everybody in the ballpark. And then you guys got to stay. That's a good way How's to that? put it. That's a good way to put it. No, but it, it look, it's, I, I think that they've got to figure out, I, I think the other part as well is that in terms of competition and the collateral damage, I think fans would be surprised, you know, back when in a 15 inning game, if, if managers on certain sides or even players could push a secret plunger to say, can we just lose this game right now? They would. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like there, there's, and then Listen, now I've the had other people say that to me. And then the other thing that we're getting more and more that's lost its cuteness is 
uncle on a game where two position players pitch, one for each side. Yeah. Enough with that. Yeah. They're not even trying. Well, now we got position players pitching when they're winning. When That's they're... what I'm saying. Yeah. But I'm saying both. Like, yeah. I did the Sunday night game when Pujols pitched and Luis Gonzalez pitched. Yeah. So, like, they're not even competing anymore. Right. So, look, I, I'll also tell you this. I think that the players today are so good. I've said that so many times. There's, they've never been better. So never good. Never been more talented. It's just, it's. It's a really hard sport, and yeah. there's tons of wonderful people and interesting things out there for us. I think, you know, they just got to keep tweaking it. I think it's just got to move a little bit it's more. Got, listen, I'm pitch to pitch. The time between yeah. pitches. Wade Miley is a perfect example. Pitched here, now pitching yes. for the Cubs. It's got to move, and the ball that, has to be in play the, more. The fielders behind them are more engaged. Yes. The game is more um, Amen. I mean, he's pitching to contact. No question. It's, a, it's just a much better watch. Yes. And I don't think if, if fans care if it's 305 or 250. No, I agree. Long, because but they want between pitches. Yes. I, I agree. I think th th we've all – you've done three-hour games that have felt like four-hour oh, games, and you've yeah. done three-hour games that feel like two-and-a-half-hour games. Yeah. No, there's no question. Now, the, putting the ball in play, I think that is the hardest one to solve. Yes. That, that's, I don't know how to solve it. I mean, they've – They've talked about moving the mound back. Right. They've talked about they're trying to deaden the ball, which is trying to get guys away from hitting home runs. Yeah. That's what they're doing right now. You can say what you will, but they yeah. want guys stop worrying about launch angle, put the ball in play because the ball's not traveling. Um, there's that. They've, I've even heard crazy ideas. Well, it should be illegal if you throw the ball over 95 miles per hour. Wow. Like that, yeah. I've, I've even heard that one. Like wow. you can't if if throw over ninety five, it's illegal. Look, I just think you've got to. I'm not. You know, I'm not in those meetings with Theo Epstein and the rest of those guys. So, but I think everybody's got to be open to change and to the best possible version of what this sport's going to look like. And everybody will be okay. You know, think about what it was like back in the early seventies when somebody said, "Okay, here's what we're going to do: the pitcher isn't going to hit. We're going to have a totally different yeah. like." And we survived. survived, and now we have DH in both. It's fine. Yeah, we're fine. Yeah, no, I I'd love your idea, and I've never actually thought of it this way: of if we were going to start the game from scratch right. tomorrow, how would we do it? That should be part of yes, uh, the perspective of how that. you yeah, I love that how you do it right. And Theo Epstein's a very He's very sharp, smart no guy. Now, if they let him have some, you know, let him do some things, and I love how they experiment with things in the minor leagues. Absolutely. I think that's a great idea. You yes. want to see how it plays. Well, out. you get to see whether some of these things actually work Absolutely. when they move the mound back. The it ended up not you know strikeout rate actually went up. Yeah, when they moved the mound yeah. back. So in the Atlantic League, so. I, again, you got to see if some of these things are going to work, you know, automated strike zone, et cetera. We'll see. Yeah. Well, I love your perspective. Listen, before I turn you loose, I, I got to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart as well as you. you. I, I lost a friend last year to ALS, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. I know next week is uh, th throughout Major League Baseball uh, bringing attention to that. And uh, it, it's, it's near and dear to your heart. Yeah. You lost a friend. I don't know if you could – just quickly, how it touched your life sure. and, and what you are doing to bring about awareness for ALS and raise funds. Yep. I, I just applaud you, my I friend. appreciate it. I Yeah, it's. I mean, it's personal. I So I grew up, I mentioned I moved to New York City when I was seven. Buddy that I met when I was seven years old, Tim Sheehy, he went on and played soccer at the University of South Carolina. He was diagnosed in 2005. He died in 2007. We had a fundraiser. Um 
in 2006. He was really struggling financially. We took half the money, gave it to Tim and Katie, his wife. And then the other half, we set up our 501c3 that's called Project Main Street. And we raise money for patient care. You know, the average ALS patient out-of-pocket cost is $250,000. So we give grants. Every dollar that is raised is given out. Um, it's been a personal thing for me. I think it's baseball's disease. You know, one of the, the nuggets that I always share is the first number that was ever retired in professional sports in any sport was Lou Gehrig's number four. Yep. So effectively, the reason we have retired numbers in sports is because Lou Gehrig got ALS. And we're not much closer to a cure than when Lou died. So one of the things that I'm helping in terms of participating in the Cubs last year were magnificent in supporting. Uh, there was the Cubs at home against the Padres. This year it's the Cubs at home against the Cardinals for us. Um, but I got obvious shirts um, to make shirts that are colored for all 30 teams. And it just, the shirt says, end ALS for Lou. So there's a red shirt that the base is red. It says end ALS in black for Lou in white. And then it's Project Main Street logo on the sleeve and the hashtag care until a cure. That's our motto is that until there's a cure, there's always care. So uh, those shirts will be available next week at obviousshirts.com. If you live in Cincinnati or wherever you live, you're an Oakland A's fan. We made A's colors. If you're a Yankees fan, if you're a Nationals fan, Cubs fan. But my biggest thing is I just think you're still – we had the Ice Bucket Challenge in, you know, back in 2012, I guess it was, thereabouts. Um, you know – I, I just think that there's too many people that don't know about ALS, that don't know it's 100% fatal. Um, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. So I just, I'm going to try and wallpaper social media with pictures of players wearing the shirts, you know, hashtag end ALS, hashtag care until a cure. Um, but that's really, I want to get awareness and want to help the people. I think the one thing is this I, my specific passion with our charity is you got to raise money for research. You just do. But it can't be a zero sum. You've got to help some of the people that are living because they need help. Their world gets smaller and smaller as they lose their mobility, lose their ability to communicate, and they need, they need connection and they need help and they need financial resources. So that's what we do. It's projectmainstreet.org. Um, next week's a big week. It's been it's been a stressful time for me just trying to organize everything. We do an auction, we raise money, and then, you know, I'm texting all 30 managers and saying, hey, would you wear this and take a picture of it? And then, you know, I put it out on social media, and everybody has been amazing. So, yeah, it's personal. I miss Tim. We get a chance to do this. I'm grateful that Major League Baseball, you know, June 2nd every year will be Lou Gehrig Day. Yeah. It's the first day of his streak. It's the day he died also. But uh, it's personal for me, and hopefully I'll get a chance to keep doing this work. My biggest hope would be I'd love my charity to not exist, you know? Yeah. So There you go. No, I, again, I applaud uh, what you're doing, and I love that uh, the money is, is hands-on and you can see the results yeah. to, to help people. Um, and if there's, you know, I'm just a small little dude, but if there's anything I could do or to get it in the hands of, 
guy like Vado, I'm sure it. you're in touch with Vado. No, no, I appreciate it if, very much. Uh, you know, if we can get it on him, he's got a large social media following. Yes. He's now all of a sudden a social it's media amazing. sensation. Yeah. How about that it's dude amazing. coming out of his shell? So. Yeah. Uh, again, give, give the website again. It's projectmainstreet.org, but the T-shirts will be available at Obvious Shirts. So it's obvious, and then so it's back-to-back S's, obviousshirts.com. And so, that's yeah. great that it, you've got the colors of, of each team. Yeah, it'll so. be on Monday is when those shirts will be Monday, out. what date? Uh, Monday is... Because uh, this will drop, uh, I don't know when this will drop. It's standby. This it'll be 30th? Monday the thirtieth. Monday May thirtieth. So by the time you hear this, they will already be out. All right, folks. there you go. So uh, please look that up. And near and dear to my heart. Yeah. And listen, my my friend Dave Starner passed away last year of ALS. He fought it for twelve years. Wow. He's one of the you know the very few uh, diehard Reds fan. I grew up with him. I love him. Um, uh, and so near and dear to my heart as well. So uh, I thank you for what yeah, you're doing, my friend. Absolutely. I thank you for this visit. I thought it was fascinating. You're a smart guy. I, like I said, I've been a fan of yours for a long time. And uh, just keep on keeping on, man. It's great to see you. Always put a smile on my face. And uh, I'm glad to get a chance to, to come here. We'll see you a few more times. Always like coming to Cincinnati, great baseball town. And, uh, yeah, it's good to connect with you. You can listen to him, see him on ESPN nationally. And – with the enemy. Boo! Boo! Oh, wait, what? Sorry. <laughs> oh, were, no, they're yeah. saying boog. Boog, that's right. Every they're time not, they boo, they're, they're not. not booing, they're booging. <laughs> well, folks, we were just booging, and we thank you for it. Thanks for checking out the Gym Day podcast, and we will see you next time. Stories Share some laughs